All right, welcome to a brand new review edition of Bella Hutman's Curse. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sutherland, alongside Julian Amarante. Julian, we've had a great uh, week and a bit of football, eh? Been a fantastic weekend. Uh, actually, you know, I was kind of gearing up for this. Uh, I haven't been able to watch all of the matches. I, I don't think it's actually physically. Well, I think I could, but I'd have to kind of like watch, you know, uh, some of them after the tape. But um, yeah, and, and the results have been quite interesting. I mean, things are shaping up. In, in a very, very interesting way. Yeah, especially maybe in a couple leagues that we don't normally talk about. We try to bring them in every now and then uh, in Portugal and France. Um, let's jump right into Portugal, actually. Um, we had the Benfica play Porto this weekend. Uh, Benfica winning and actually moving to the top of the table. So I know that's exciting for some of our listeners, and I imagine you have some comments on that as well. Well, it- you know, it's always great when it's a kind of um, uh, a, a basically, you know, a, a, the super classical for the country uh, kind of determines the title. You know what I mean? And I mean, this is a, a very, very big win for Benfica. I mean, there's how many games left? I would say probably fourteen. Something close to that. Yeah, and uh, th- uh, for them, uh, this is a huge win. Uh, it's also kind of interesting to see that Porto kind of suffers a loss like this going into the Champions League, where they're kind of behind and they'll be playing at home. It'll be interesting to see how they'll respond to this. Um, you know, I just uh, I, I uh, I've, I've been saying this for a long time that you know Benfica is always I've always had a soft spot and I and I kind of think we kind of YouTube given our, our the title of our pod. Um, however, uh, I, you know these guys, these teams just are loaded with talent. And um, if any of our listeners really want to check this up, I, 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 I urge you to check out the um, website called Portugal. It's basically P O R T U G O A L at dot uh, net. It's a, it's very 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 extensive, and they have a really great report of the game. Uh, what did you think, Steve? Do, do you think? Uh, you think, you think Benfica will see this out? I have a feeling they will. Um, I, I'll be more interested to see what happens in the offseason because I have a feeling both these teams are going to be rated primarily by teams in England. Just with, yeah. uh, with we, we, talk, we talk pretty regularly about you know the growth of, of Portuguese football in England specifically. Um, and there are, there's some really good young talent at Benfica and Porto that I think you'll, you'll see uh, probably be making the jump to uh, to I don't want to say bigger teams, but uh, other teams in Europe. I think what's really interesting about uh, take a look at the lineups of those teams, the starting eleven. You know, there's there there, there isn't that much of, of of a huge foreign influence as people like like to believe. Uh, in fact, it's a lot of domestic players, and I really uh, I, I really believe that that Portuguese football is going to produce another kind of golden generation. And I know we, you know, you and I have always kind of said we don't like that term, but I actually think there's going to be a period of dominance that's going to come out of Portuguese football. I, I just, this is my prediction. Uh, it just seems that like everywhere we look, their managers are, are, are well positioned in other leagues. Their players just seem to be at the top teams and they seem to be coming along more and more. And, uh, I'm actually, I actually picked them to win uh, this uh, league, uh, Nations League Cup this summer. So, 
but uh, it's something to keep an eye on for sure, right? Yeah, and you know, you you brought up Porto in the Champions League. Benfica does have Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League. Um, a very good chance that they move on uh, into the into the quarterfinals from there. Yeah, I, I'd like to hear from our friend Gil about this because uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he's quite happy. He's, he's, a, he's an ardent uh, Benfica supporter or legal supporter. I'm just looking at the standings right now, and it, it really is a two-horse race, and it's going to be interesting to see, interesting to see uh, who hangs on towards the end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also interesting to see that Sporting is still su- suffering a little bit uh, from the issues that they, they faced at the end of last season. Well, all things considering, I, 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 would you not say that fourth place is actually surprising? Um, being that I don't follow the, the league far enough, um, I, I still think the talent is still within that, that sporting team. Uh, obviously, they've developed a lot of players that have gone on to have pretty solid careers across Europe. That um, fourth place maybe isn't uh, as surprising as you might think it is. Well, I, I, I actually, I actually believe it or not, I, I actually thought that this club would collapse and we would see them in the mid table. So I actually think they, you know, that where they are is is uh, is quite remarkable given everything that went on uh, in in the off season. Yeah. Uh, moving on to France, uh, obviously, or PSG and everybody else. Um, yeah. It's been it's been interesting, but I actually think uh, Balotelli's found his feet again at uh, at uh, Marseille. Um, Good to see him scoring goals sometimes, not not all the time, but at least make, making chances and, and being actually a pretty good player. Well, you know, just a comment about this. I mean, I'm very happy for Mario. Uh, I really hope uh, that he actually um, continues this form and it carries on to the end of the season. However, you know, he's also at a club that is notoriously known for having, you know, one soap opera after another and you know mario is not a guy who basically shies away from the drama so i i i i i have to question how long this will last because uh there is a great deal of scrutiny and pressure at Marseille, and uh you know they they, they they're not afraid uh, to, to tear down their their number ones or their icons so I, so it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, it's, it's an interesting club for him to be at. But I'm looking at the table, and you look at these clubs that are actually uh, bunched up between second and sixth or seventh place, and these are clubs that are actually, you know, historic in nature and have these kind of like, um, you know, great traditions. Uh, if we kind of took PSG out of this equation, we'd actually have a decent league to watch. You, know, you have Lille in second, Lyon third, Saint-Étienne in fourth, Stade de fifth, Marseille sixth, Nice seventh. And then surprisingly, when we go down, it's amazing to see that Strasbourg, okay, which has been a perennial second division team, is now in the mid-table, and a team, you know, Nîmes, 11th. Nîmes has, has consistently been a third division squad. So, you know, I... I I don't know what to say anymore. We, we've kind of talked about this over and over. I don't want to be flogging a dead horse here, but these kind of like super clubs, something has got to give. Uh, I, you know, I was going to say something needs to be done, but you know, that's wishful thinking, but something has got to give because this kind of like perpetual dominance is just, it's just not good for the game. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
moving on uh, to Syria. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let you start here because you probably got some happy things to say. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to put the questions to you because I kind of want to don't want to be seen as being biased. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to keep kind of putting the questions back to you so that you can provide certain objectivity uh, in about an hour. Uh, Napoli will be playing Juventus and uh, a lot of the talk is that this could be Juventus's first loss given the way that they've been playing over the last four or five weeks uh, I, I will believe it when I see it uh, AC Milan uh, grinding out another victory yesterday against Asuolo which you know, at a personal level it makes me very happy to see them in third place however I must say that this is something that should have been expected at the very least by them. Um, they, they have the squad. I think they're kind of meeting their potential. If they do want to kind of keep building on this, we'll see them. Um, I, I, I actually think that they, they need to finish in the Champions League. I don't believe that they will do very well in the Champions League next year. And I believe that uh, the experience would do them a great deal of good. Um, Inter, I, I got to say, you know, what was it that you saw? Because I kept touting Inter this year, and you were saying I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. And look at them; they're they're in fourth place. I actually picked them this year to kind of challenge Juventus, and they seem to be faltering terribly. I mean, losing at Cagliari, Cagliari's always been tough at home, but that's a game that they should have won, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think what I I saw too many too many cooks in the kitchen, too many personalities, right? I think that's the the the, yeah. the rub against them. Um, I, I I've always made it known how I feel about uh, Icardi, and I think uh, bringing uh, bringing other players in. Um, Nangolin has a, has a bit of a hothead issue. Perisic can be a bit of an issue. There's too many issues, and I'm not sure that even if they were to change managers at this point, uh, if they will even arrest the slide. I have a few like. There's a very good chance that they slip out of the Champions League places if Roma can turn it around, or even if Lazio continues to play well? Well, I, I wanted to ask you, did you catch the uh, the uh, Roma-Lazio classical yesterday? I didn't get to watch it, no. Well, Lazio basically eviscerated Roma. It's 3 nothing, And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to ask you, I mean, everybody seems to be talking about this Roma turnaround, this Roma bounce, this Roma bounce. Uh, I'm not seeing it. Uh, where do you think that most of these commentators like Gab Marcotti are saying that Roma is on, on, on the rise up? I mean, what are they seeing that, I, that maybe I'm not seeing? I don't know if they're taking that from how they're playing in the Champions League because it seems like there's two different Roma clubs, right? And this the, this this seems pretty normal and, and really just everything that we know about Roma and the psychosis that the club seems to have just seems par for the course for me. I think so. I think you're right. Like, there's something just not right there. I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I will say something that, that, that um, I always say about Roma is that team on paper always looks like a squad that should win like double, multiple championships and cups in a year. And yet they always just seem to underachieve. One of the, 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 the players that I've got my eye on for them is the Zagnolo kid. Uh, I don't know why, why he's there. I, I wish someone would rescue him because the culture at Roma is poisonous. And a player like this, you know, it could stunt his development. We also see Lazio kind of moved up into, into third place. Torino up to seventh, Sampdoria up to eighth. 
this incredible drop by Atalanta. You know, they were essentially in fourth place, pretty much holding their own, and they dropped from fourth to ninth. And as we are talking right now, I believe they are winning 3-1 against Fiorentina, which is just behind them in the table. Um, any comments about that, Steve? Listen, we've all we we've both said this. Atalanta has been kind of feeding players to everybody else, and that's kind of the difficulty of of the type of club that they are, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, like two wins puts them back into fifth, right? So a win today will move them uh, level on points with Torino and Lazio. Um, so I don't think they're as far out of it. I think there's certainly. Um, there's certainly still a battle to go in there. There's still a lot of football left to be played, so I wouldn't I wouldn't count them out just yet. Well, I'm certainly cheering for them. Uh, I do want to see them qualify for Europe again. This is this is exactly why football is beautiful uh, when you get clubs like this. But you know, as as I move down the table, it occurs to me that um, 20 teams in Serie A is just too many. Uh, they should basically lop off the, the bottom four and, and keep it as a 16-team division. As a matter of fact, I would say that for almost all kind of first divisions. I think that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, everybody went from like about 16 teams to 20 teams or 18 teams, 14 teams, 18 teams. I think that this is just not right. I, I actually think that they should lop off uh, for a number of reasons. And I actually think that this would actually work towards limiting the, the, the questions of the superpower. I have one last question for you. Uh, do you think Napoli will beat Juventus today? Well, I hope so. I have a feeling they will. So a lot of it's talking about Juve's in a bit of an injury crisis right now, and they haven't been playing very well. Um, I think all we can hope for is that uh, the game is well refed, and uh, b- both teams go for it. Yeah, don't don't hold your breath on the on the officials. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Never. Uh, you know, uh, just hope that the result is fair. Yeah. Uh, the Bundesliga, uh, Dortmund lost this weekend, which means that both them and Bayern are tied. Uh, Dortmund leading on goal differential. I, yeah, we, like we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, that Dortmund looks like they're going to run out of gas. Yeah, I, I think that might be what seems to be seems to be coming up. Um, and I think Bayern maybe is turning a corner at the exact same time, right? And if Bayern's turning a corner, then it could be very difficult for Liverpool to um, to to beat them next week in the Champions League. I think uh, I think there, there there is a great deal of um, uh, how shall we say uh, momentum gathering at Bayern. Um, if they win against Liverpool and knock Liverpool out, is that, by the way, is that this week coming or is that following week? That'll be the following week. Yeah, okay. I believe that if, 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 if Munich eliminates Liverpool, I, 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 I can see Munich not only just winning the Bundesliga, but I actually see them taking a real hard run at winning the Champions League. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, there are a lot of. I think there's there's so many problems with all of the teams that are really going for the Champions League that uh, really anybody uh, has a chance. Yeah, but I think the real stories in in uh, the real stories in the Bundesliga are the fact that Borussia Mönchengladbach is still running for the third place, the fourth, two points behind Leipzig. Uh, but at the same time, Frankfurt, 
which is, you know, been this perennial up and drop and promote, drop and promote team, is now in fifth place. Um, I also think that the other story that, that is interesting is that Schalke is going to be fighting for their lives in the, in, in the, in the Bundesliga as, as the season progresses. Yeah, I, I think the table is shaping up really nice for a battle uh, between the top two, which I think it has most of the time over the last few years. Um, and then there's kind of a bit of the rest of the league uh, competing to be the best of the rest. Yeah, yeah pretty much. That, that's it. Um, some good football to watch. I, I don't know if any of you guys watch uh, the Bundesliga on Friday nights, but some of the football is fantastic. So moving on to Spain, where we've been uh, kind of, we've been treated to a couple of classicos in the last week, one in the Copa del Rey and then one in the league, uh, Barca winning both at the Bernabeu. Um, it's funny. So we were talking about Balotelli earlier. Balotelli actually came out and said that Barca has two stadiums, right? <laughs> uh, it's funny because he says, like, you know, Barcelona has two stadiums, the Camp News for matches and the Bernabeu is for training. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. My love uh, for Real Madrid is just not there. I mean, there's often times where I actually think that I hate the Real Madrid more than I like AC Milan. Um, I was very happy to see that. It, it was uh, it was interesting in the, the Copa del Rey uh, semifinal that, you know, Messi had a very average game. But it was everybody else that kind of came up and stepped up. You know, uh, Dembele, uh, Suarez was just ruthless. I mean, the goals that he scored. Uh, but everybody else kind of seemed to step up. Uh, Real Madrid, I just I, I just think that the, 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 the club is, uh, is old. They're tired. They don't have any ideas. They're completely bereft of ideas. Um, they're, they, they're superstars wasting away on the bench. These guys should find a home somewhere, um, but unfortunately, this is not. I, I'm telling you, I'm enjoying this, and, and I, 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 it's too bad that you know there's a major drop off after third place in the La, La Liga, because I would gladly watch. I would love to see them finish outside of the Champions League spots. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think you know I, I've been saying that watch out for them, watch out for them, watch out for them. But given the way that they've played over the last month. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Ajax smells, you know, the blood in the water and it was able to eliminate them from the Champions League. I don't think that they're, well, they're only two points with a game in hand behind Atlético Madrid. But, you know, depending on, on what uh, Los Cochoneros do today, so, they can go ahead four. And I think if they go ahead four, I think that Real Madrid's Faith in third place is, is, is going to be there. I think it's safe to say that Barcelona has pretty much put its fist around the neck of the uh, Primera. So, so it, 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 the, I think at this point, it's Barcelona's to lose. You know, yeah. uh, there's still a lot of football to be played. You never know what could happen, but they look very well positioned to take the league. Yeah, so Atleti's actually up 2 0 right now. Okay. So that'll put them, that'll put them five points. Uh, ahead, and then the games will be level at, at that point. Um, Hitafe and Alves, actually, uh, I don't think anybody would have predicted that Hitafe would be in fourth place right now. No, I, yeah, you would have expected like the the 
old card, which is Valencia and Sevilla. I mean, look where Sevilla. Sevilla was holding on the fort for the while. Now they're in sixth place, you know. So these teams really don't have the kind of metal that, that, that's necessary. I know that, like, essentially this league has always kind of been Barça Real, and now, you know, Atletico have entered the club thanks to, thanks to Simeone. But these two teams, it is surprising. And, and it's great, and I really very much hope not only does one of them qualify for the Champions League, uh, but I also think I, I would also like to see them win their qualifying match and get into the, in the league stage. It would be a very good experience for these clubs. Yeah, I'm totally with you on it. We're going to jump uh, across the uh, across the pond now. Uh, MLS, first week of action. Um and interest to see both Toronto and Montreal sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, friend, it's only been one game. Hey, I'll take it. I think fans of both those teams would take that. Yeah, this is a long season. I, I, I really, I mean, I, I wouldn't be putting any... I, I think it's really difficult to make any sort of predictions based on just one open season opener. Uh, I mean, it was nice to see that 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 that, that the Canadian teams went. Oh, oh Vancouver! Did Vancouver? No. I, I was watching the match last night. Vancouver lost. They did lose, right? Okay. I mean, th- this is going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting season. Uh, but I think TFC fans have to prepare themselves for the worst this year. Yeah, absolutely. Now Bradley scores uh, his first league goals uh, for TFC, and I think. Oh, two years. It's been two years since he scored a goal in the league. He did score in the playoffs, but first time uh, in the league, and he actually hits a brace. Um, so the system system looks better than what they were playing in the in the CONCACAF Champions League. They have a bye next week because they were expected to go through. So no match for them. Um, anything else that's really going on uh, outside of what we normally talk about that you want to well, jump in on? To the um, the uh, the match, uh, the MLS. There was one thing that was that was amazing. The the match between the Portland Timbers and Colorado Rapids was the coldest game in MLS history. Apparently, something at, at uh, eighteen degrees Fahrenheit. So I mean, up here in Canada, where that, that's like absolutely tropical. But for them, I could just imagine uh, uh, what, what that was like for them in that area. Um, I, I mean, it's funny that the season starts. Uh, around this time uh, again you know monetary concerns seem to dictate it I, w- I would I would think that they, they would stand to be a little bit smart by kind of extending uh, I mean the season shouldn't begin at least until the end of March but that's just my opinion and I'm sure there's there's others there's also this kind of thing about you know uh, David Beckham statue unveiled at the LA Galaxy Stadium um, I mean, I'd like to know what's that all about. I mean, it's not like David Beckham was like, you know, uh, a, a guy who won like, you know, five major championships in a row. I mean, he's just, you know, another kind of this marketing icon. And, you know, they erect a statue to someone who basically, you know, I, I don't understand this. Any comments about that, Steve? Um, I I can, they attribute so much to him with the growth of the game and that it, it's difficult for me to, to, argue it considering the amount of money he generated for the league so that's kind of why i why i think it happened it surprises me though that they wouldn't have given one to landon donovan first i agree i mean that, that talk about a guy who's actually 
you know, really kind of done a great deal more for, for the for for the league itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, you asked me about comments. There was a few things that I did want to come up. Uh, the first thing I wanted to come up is, the, is uh, this idea, uh, uh, this tournament that's going on, it's called the She Believes Cup, um, which I, I got to say, just a little bit of a comment, I, I find the title to be completely um, ridiculous. I mean, uh, the She Believes Hope Solo t- tweeted something the other day about this, and I, had to, I, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was very critical of the idea of this notion that she believes, and yet they can't give it like an official name. And I have to agree with her. And it's, it's kind of sad because this tournament's not drawing any sort of attention whatsoever. And I know that the U.S. and England drew the other day. Uh, that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to kind of bring. They drew 2-2, and I was like, wanted to bring that to the attention of our listeners. Uh, at the same time, I also wanted to make a quick comment about uh, the championship in Argentina. Uh, it's it's fantastic to see uh, that, uh, you know, Racine, even though they suffered the, the, uh, the exit in the Copa Sudamericana, they seem to kind of have increased their lead in the, in the championship. And I think that this would be a fantastic development for, for, uh, for not just the club that I've seen itself, but for club football. So, you know, they they, 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 they won the classical to, to actually take that to strengthen their league. So I, I hope that they can hang on. I really hope that they can hang on. Now, how about yourself, Steve? Anything that you want to bring lights to? Canadian Premiership's coming up very shortly. We've got an Apertura and Clausura uh, system. Have you picked a team for yourself to support yet? No, man. I, I, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with this because um, I don't want to fall for kind of a marquee team. I want to support the club where I'm going to be living, and I'm not sure how long I'll stay here. But if there's a team that's going to be coming out of Ottawa, which I think there should be, uh, given that this is uh, supposed to be a national league, and I don't think there is one, if I'm correct, uh, I, I would probably support my local club. No, so the Ottawa Fury went to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to not play in uh, in this league. Um, turns out they're actually going to make less money in the USL than they will in the CPL. So that's, that's just that's just pathetic. Yeah, I have a feeling that we'll see them join next year. That's pathetic. Uh, that that uh, you know that they would choose the USL over, over the Canadian Premiership. I mean. The nation's capital doesn't have a team in the league, and they have a team in, in, in the uh, league called the USL. is actually shameful. Uh, would you not agree? Uh, I'm not happy about it because it would have been nice to 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 participate in the CPL. I won't be supporting the Fury uh, this year or next year or any year after that. So, yeah, I haven't decided. I mean, uh, you know. There, there seems to be a lot of interesting teams and exciting stuff to support. Um, I just hope that they don't model. I hope that the marketing model does not become uh, a mirror image of the MLS. That's all I hope. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair. And I think, like I said, I'm I'm happy with them doing an aperture and clausura with the amount of teams. I think that that's I think that's an awesome thing to do. Uh, it'll be new to a lot of Canadian soccer fans, but I think that's okay. Uh, anything that can teach uh, teach fans about how uh, soccer's played in other parts of the world is uh, is a great choice. 
So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, uh, we've had uh, two match weeks in the Premiership, so we have a lot to talk about uh, from all the different teams. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back with the Premiership, which is where we seem to always find ourselves towards the end of end of our recordings. Uh, City moving to the top of the table by virtue of Liverpool's draw with Everton earlier today. Um, I imagine you expect City is now City's going to stay in front of Liverpool for the rest of the season. Well, Steve, you know I, I hate to say I, I didn't say this to you. I mean, I said it publicly because I think you kind of agreed with me. Uh, you know, I told you so, right? I mean, I, I, even when they were down as much as nine points, I, I, I did not believe that that this was something that, that City could not make up. Um, and, and this is not like, you know, I mean, I think this is a theme that we're probably going to kind of elaborate on. This is not a rub against Liverpool, you know, choking or whatever. I just think that the Premiership is a tough, tough league. And Manchester City, the team that's been assembled with extraordinary money, okay, let's be honest, is really a remarkable squad, okay? Uh, it's only remarkable, though, in the sense that they've, they haven't been kind of developed. They've been bought. And, I mean, somebody, some can say that, yes, they've, they've produced some really interesting uh, talents over the last couple of years. But, you know, they're, they're there because they have the spending power. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I know it's only one point and so much can change in such little time. But one of the things that I, I, I want to point out over these two weeks, the last two matches that they won were one nothing, one nothing, And they weren't the prettiest of wins. They were the ugliest of wins. And teams who usually win ugly and grind out victories, those are the teams that usually end up winning championships. So the one thing I'll say to to this thought is that I look at the schedules of both Liverpool and and City over the next nine games, the last nine games of the season. Um, there's a Manchester derby that gets sprinkled in there uh, close to the end of April, uh, depending on FA Cup and, and Champions League, whatnot. Um, it's going to be tough. I think both teams might actually drop points still. Yeah, because I, we also have to remember, right, that City is playing in three other competitions, or is it, no, two other competitions, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and uh, Liverpool is still alive in, in, in two also, am I correct? Uh, Liverpool is alive in the league and the Champions League, and then City also has the FA Cup. So they were eliminated by the FA Cup, that's yes. right. Yep. So, I mean, this has got to factor in, right? Uh, and that's why I kind of say this is kind of like the, the period of indeterminacy. These are the things that, that could tire a team out. Could you know, like it's hard to get up for big game after big game after big game after big game. So I think you're right. I think that there's a possibility for them to lose points, both squads. Um, although I don't see any volatility towards the end. I kind of see this now. I mean, I would like to see some volatility, but I I, I don't think it's going to happen. In the league. Do you think uh, it's a question of depth? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, and also, and, and also, I think uh, conditioning. Um, City have extraordinary depth, okay? And at the same time, 
they also seem to be still a little bit crisper than Liverpool. Liverpool seem to be, you know, not that they're tired, but they seem to be kind of like, it seems to me like the pressure has gotten to them. A lot of heavy first touches by Salah. Uh, you know, Firmino doesn't seem to be on top of things. Um, there there's always seems to be just a little kind of, you know, a, a crispiness that's missing in their judgment. And I think that that's got to do with a lot of the fact that, you know, I think the pressure is getting to them a lot more than it's getting to City. Well, yeah, City's been in this situation before, right? So. Right. Um, move to, to Tottenham. So two wins and a draw in their last, or two losses and a draw, sorry, in their last three has pretty much knocked them out of contention at this point. Yeah. Um, uh, and know, and might actually be bringing them into a scrap with United, Arsenal, and possibly che- well Chelsea. If Chelsea wins their game in hand, they're on fifty nine points. So, do you think Tottenham might be dragged back into it? You and I talked about this briefly because they have they probably have the least amount of depth in in the top six, maybe even well, seven. I want to say this, Steve. Okay, because I think that you've always been a little bit unfair to them. But um, on, on this one, I think, and I don't think it's a question again about being Spursy, but I do think that the squad's thinness is revealing itself now in the fatigue that they have. They really look tired. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, wow, these guys are gone. They were winning matches. They were on a, a good uh, spate of form over the, over the five previous matches to the last three. They, they dismantled Dortmund. But uh, uh, given the last three matches, uh, from what I've seen, they look really tired. And I'm they, they, they could fall out of third place quite easily. Well, based on how the teams below them are playing, I think it's quite possible. But I, but I also think, and I mean, again, I'm going to throw this back to you. Don't you think that this has to do with the fact that the Premiership now with the money, with all of these kind of foreign coaches that have come in, new styles, new ideas, that the league is very difficult on a week-to-week basis. You know, aside from maybe Fulham and maybe Cardiff, uh, although Cardiff I see posing much more problems to opposition than Fulham because they just stubborn in defense, there is no easy games. And if you're not, if your team is not in the best of shape, the, uh, psychologically focused, and at the same time, you don't have the proper depth. Okay, you're you're not you're, you're not going to be uh, winning week in week out. Yeah, like I've never doubted how difficult it is to win in this league and compared to others. Not that the quality of the I, I wouldn't say that the quality of the Premiership is any better than any other league. Uh, other than that, I think there are more teams bunched together in this league. Um. It's it's tough, right? Um, well, we also should point out the fact that Tottenham bought nobody last year. Yeah, okay? but that's okay. So to me, that's a a bit of a cop out. Like, there's your owner has money. You can you can make purchases if you if your if your owner chooses not to make purchases. That's that's really you. You have to do with what you've got. Yeah, and I think that you know the argument that that. that Tottenham, Tottenham or Spurs fans would present was that, you know, they've built this new stadium. It's gone over budget. It's gone over time. Uh, they've actually played outside of their stadium. They don't have a home ground, really, which is remarkable given that they still managed to hold third place 
But the fact is, you know, they would argue that they don't have the money because of the new stadium to buy players. I'm not entirely sure that, that, that that's being completely intellectually honest. Uh, I think that, you know, when you have a marquee coach such as Pocatino there, I don't believe that you should basically be choking him off in terms of the players he needs. I really don't think he's going to last. I think Real Madrid, or maybe you guys, although that doesn't seem to be a sure thing either, but I, I do believe that Real Madrid is going to probably drop a lot of money to get him over there this year. Yeah, I don't see him coming to us. We might as well jump to Manchester United next. So that's 12 games on the trot. Uh, this was the first game comeback with a win. Uh, I, I, I don't. Uh, there's To me, there is no way they cannot give Solskjaer the job at this point. Um, hell, even Lukaku, Lukaku's got four goals in two games. Like, it's good to see him get his confidence back, eh? Yeah, I, the only player that's still disappointing me seems to be Fred. Uh, I don't know what's what's gone on there. He seems to be training well, but it doesn't be, seem to be translating to the pitch. And that's why, like uh, players like McTominay and Pereira are getting are getting time on the pitch uh, ahead of him. Um, well, I mean, let, let's 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 put this in its proper context. Fred was bought by Mourinho to replace Pogba. Okay, uh, and uh, there's a good argument to be made that uh, uh, Mourinho's sole purpose was to sabotage Pogba, and now Fred is basically sitting in a team which he has no purpose with. You know. And I kind of feel bad for the guy because he essentially, was, you know, was basically used as a power play by a manager who was more intent on sabotaging one of the great clubs of the game uh, for his own purposes and reputation rather than actually, you know, making the, the, the adjustments that are necessary. Yeah. But other than that... I, mean, the... I, I, I want to say something. I mean, I was actually really surprised with the game that Southampton gave Manchester United yesterday. And I want to go back on this theme. Uh, you, you know, I, I, no sympathy for, for Manchester United for me, but it's got to be said that, you know, this streak that they've put together since Solskjaer joined the team is, is really something to uh, uh, marvel at. Because, again, this is a very, very, very tough league. And for them to win this many games on the trot domestically, I mean, never mind this nonsense what happened to to uh, PSG. I mean, they, they were basically confronted with a, much uh, a much better team, and any of this notion that Solskjaer failed some sort of big test is an absolute joke. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I think that he basically came up against a, a very, very well, uh, 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 an informed team, and you know they, they didn't win. And still, you know, the tie is not over. Uh, that being said, I, I was really surprised that that they that you know they, they actually. Managed to get, to walk away with a three-two victory. It shows it shows that this team, that Solskjaer is doing something very, very right with this team. And it's interesting that you know a team that that most of us love to hate is now kind of capturing our imaginations. You know. Yes. Um, Arsenal and Chelsea. You think that their fans should be happy? I'm. I'm not completely agreed with that. Um, more so with with Arsenal. I think Chelsea. I, I understand your argument with that, but with Arsenal. They're practically in the exact same place where Wenger had them. Was Wenger really the problem then? Yes, and uh, they should be very happy that they're that they are where they are. Both Chelsea and, and Arsenal, in my opinion, are punching way above their weight when you look at their rosters. Okay, 
in, in spite of the fact of their wins and, and whatever, in spite of the fact that these two teams have uh, like superstar marquee players, you know, in Arsenal with Ozil, Lacazette, uh, Chelsea with William, uh, and um, you know, uh, and, and Hazard. But when you look at the when when you start looking at the rest of the team, and you start to think about what happened to them in the off season, new coaches, new philosophies, new players. Uh, starting to kind of begin to the process of rebuilding. Both these teams are very, very fortunate to be in fifth and sixth place. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is where, you know, these their fans believe that they should be one or two, or maybe even three, right? And I think that that's just not realistic. Uh, and I think that given the way Wolverhampton and Watford have been playing, they're, they're fortunate that, that those teams have not gone ahead of them, although there is a gap, right? Because there's a huge gap because of the beginning of the season. Both those teams have had great runs at the beginning of the season. And I think that that really demonstrates just how highly inflated they, they, their, their, their uh, talent was at the time. Okay. I'm not sure I completely agree with that. but Well, I mean, let, let, let me add this. Maurizio Sarri. Okay, had to take over in the off season on a team that Conte already had started training two weeks previous. Okay, he never got the players he wanted at all, and he is a complete systems manager, a complete systems manager. And in terms of that, you need specialized players, very very specialized players. And the only guy he was able to procure was Jorginho. Okay, so. Sixth place for Chelsea is extraordinary given those circumstances. Arsenal had to bring in uh, Licksteiner, who's basically, you know, one crutch away from being a, a, a derelict on the field. And the reason they brought Licksteiner was to stabilize the dressing room because there was so much dissension left from, from Wenger. So, I mean, they have no defense. Arsenal has no backline people who are worth anything. Uh, they're basically pylons. And I think that, it, you know, they, they, they were, uh, shall we say, strategically clever at the beginning of the season to take their matches very serious while other teams were still kind of trying to find their footing and they were able to chalk up those victories. Now, the fact that these teams have some major gaps is starting to reveal itself. Yeah, I guess that's, it's fair, but I still think these are teams that are, are, are chock full of talent and should still should still be able to perform. Now we can, we can get on Chelsea's case of players who don't like the manager. So they choose not to play, which I think well, is. Well, okay, I'll in a sec. I want to address that. Chalk full of talent. Exactly. Who are we talking about here? Well, you look at, I actually think Arsenal is pretty strong from the keeper out. I don't believe that at all. I don't think they have anybody worth defend, in defending. Their midfield, they've got some very young people who are just starting to demonstrate themselves. What they really have are basically three attackers, okay? With Aubameyang, Ozil, and Lacazette. Well, Ozil and, doesn't get on the pitch, so I wouldn't no, even there's bother. No link. There's no linking. Yeah, I wouldn't even be including Ozil in that because he doesn't get on the pitch. Um, well, Ozil, Ozil for, the money that, for, for the money that Ozil's paid, from Ozil's reputation, Ozil's reputation alone should be the considered that this guy is like a superstar marquee player, okay? Now, that being said, 
three top strikers. Explain to me where the link and, and the system is. It seems to be pretty ad hoc, if you ask me. And the reason it's ad hoc is because it, it has to be ad hoc because they just don't have the kind of technicians or, uh, uh, you know, like in the olden days, they used to call them registas. They don't have those players. They just don't have those players. You know? Uh, Chelsea? What? Are you going to, like, Alonso? Alonso had one good season. Uh, Luis? You can't be serious, okay? Hazard, to me, is one of the most overrated strikers of the last 15 to 20 years. So, I mean, I, I, I don't see that, that, that these teams aren't deep. They, they, they're talented. They have good talent. But do they have the talent of City? Uh, do they have the talent of Liverpool? Absolutely not. Do they have even the kind of team play and coordination that we're seeing uh, coming out of United and, and Tottenham? Because Tottenham's squad has been has been thin. They don't even they don't even come close. As a matter of fact, I would even say that their teams seem to be pretty scattered, even in comparison with the seventh and eighth and ninth positions, which is basically Wanderers, Watford, and and West Ham United. I, I, I don't see that Arsenal belong. Uh, Arsenal and, and Chelsea should be very happy that they, if the season were to finish where it is, and then I think their fifth and sixth place, they should be very happy. Yeah. Uh, moving moving down the table, uh, as always, we'll we'll just Wolves, Watford, West Ham, and Everton uh, round out the top ten. These are teams. Now, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I don't believe Watford. Uh, next year, I, like I said to you last week, I hope Watford doesn't get bored of finishing in this position because they've been very great to watch, despite getting shellacked by Liverpool. But I'll make a prediction right now. Uh, Wolverhampton breaks the top five next year. That would be interesting just because I feel like Chelsea and Arsenal are going to do some heavy... Well, I guess Chelsea won't be able to restock unless the court for arbitration of sport comes out and says they can. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what what happens there. I, I have a feeling Arsenal's going to see a little bit of investment that's going to to do them a world of good. But it's about time, don't you think? Yeah. Well, we'll see if it happens. I don't even, I can't guarantee that it's going to happen in the first place. Uh, moving down in 11th place, Leicester City. Uh, new manager Brendan Rodgers takes charge uh, – well, took charge of his first game this weekend and uh, proceeded – to lose in the 90th minute to uh, the aforementioned uh, Watford. Uh, you're not a fan of Brendan Rodgers, are you? No, man. And not only am I not a fan, I mean, first of all, he's a liar. I mean, if, you, if, you've, if you've read the press about him telling all these stories about these, player, uh, about all these players and all these greats at Celtic, none of them actually happened. Secondly, um, I think that what he did to Celtic was really, really lousy. Uh, unless Celtic forced him out, because, you know, they wanted him out now and that they wanted to bring somebody in next year. But I, I, I'm not sure that that's the case because, you know, the Scottish the Scottish Championship has been the most exciting and competitive it's been probably in a generation, maybe in a couple of generations. And, you know, they're, they're barely hanging on to the championship and he basically abandons them. Uh, and and, and uh, doesn't stick it out. And this would have been a year that, you know, he would have been what? It would have been the third year in a row that he would have walked away with, what, three, three, the trophies. three trophies? Most that, likely that, three that, trophies, yeah. That, now, they're up eight points in the league, so it's not – I 
it has been competitive, but I think that uh, that competitiveness kind of dropped off uh, a little while ago. I would, I would also say something to the effect of that, you know, um, he, uh, uh, him leaving, you know, Celtic, which is supposed to be a grand club for, for basically a mid-table squad, is really indicative of the, of the kind of uh, uh, clout that the premiership takes now, right? I mean, that you know, like you'll get like uh, somebody who is a very, very good coach, quite happy to, to coach a team that's anywhere from like, you know, seventh or, or seventh place to, to, to the end. Like, you know, you, you had Pellegrini, who was once coaching Manchester City himself, Real Madrid, uh, great clubs. He's coaching West Ham United for crying out loud. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's another thing about Rodgers. But I don't think, uh, I mean, the culture, I think, is kind of suited for him. Um, however, Brandon Rodgers likes to think about Brandon Rodgers. And I don't know how that's going to go down at Leicester City, you know? Yeah. Uh, moving down the table, really nothing else to note. We've already talked about Southampton. Newcastle playing. Ah, kind of well. Uh, Miguel Almiron coming over from Atlanta, I think, is playing a lot better than than I expected, at least. Uh, yeah, that's really surprising that a player from the MLS can kind of make this kind of impact on a team like that. Yeah, uh, and a young player at that. Uh, although I wouldn't say that he's a young MLS player because he hasn't come out of the MLS originally. Um, anything else? Crystal Palace playing kind of well. Um, it really looks like Fulham, Fulham and Huddersfield are definitely done. And then it's probably a battle. I'd, I'd keep Newcastle in that battle. So Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley, Southampton, and Cardiff. You and I both are desperate for Cardiff to be relegated. Yeah, I, I think I think Southampton um, will probably escape. I hope Newcastle will escape. Um I think I'd be happy if this, you know, if the season ended the way right now with these three teams being relegated. I think that would be fair. I do feel bad for Fulham. I actually support Fulham, as you know. I was a big fan. I've always been a big fan of their their squad, but I just don't think that they were ready for the Premiership this year. I think that they they got in a hot run last year, and they, they you know they, they 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 got hot at the right time, which was running towards the end. They got promoted. And I don't think that they, they were anywhere near prepared to play uh, that, that caliber of football this year. Yep. Uh, any, any other comments about the Premiership? Yeah, I'd like to talk about Maurizio Sarri and, and Kepa. Okay. But first, I'd like to hear what, you, what, you, what your thoughts were on, on it. Well, you know what? A lot of people are kind of embarrassed by it, and I think rightfully so. Um, yeah, listen, not the first player to tell a manager where to go uh, and that he wasn't coming off. Uh, as a keeper, I can see why he wanted to say, stay on. Um, uh, as the manager, I can see why you're bringing him out for Caballero. Caballero um, played for City, uh, no, and, and it was for penalties, right? So this guy, like this guy's taken penalties from a lot of the guys at City previously and knows how they think. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that uh, Maurizio Sarri made a very big mistake for not sticking to his guns and basically saying, no, you're getting out of there. 
Now, I think that there was a whole range of strategic decisions that came into his thought because I think that if he had done that, uh, I think that he would have probably revealed and probably exacerbated the divisions within within the dressing room because it seems to me that that's essentially what we saw there was uh, we see a club that is completely divided and, and that was symptomatic of it. Um, I would also say something to the effect of uh, Kipa's getting off easy here. This is complete, really, at a football squad. You know, there are lines of, of hierarchy there. And, uh, you know, if that club was really as organized as, say, they, they should be in terms of club culture, in terms of hierarchies, Kipa should have been uh, disciplined for insubordination. Okay. As a matter of fact, if anything, he should be put on the trade uh, on the selling block, regardless of his stature as a goalkeeper in the world. Uh, you know, obviously, Sari had a plan. You know, kind of like the way uh, the Dutch had it with uh, what was his name again? The, the Dutch goalkeeper. I'm not. Which the one who came on for penalty kicks in, in I believe, in the 2010 oh. World Cup against uh, uh, Tim Kroll against Costa Rica. Was it Kroll that came on to take the penalties? Kroll. Kroll that was the guy. Yeah. That was his plan. He obviously had this part of his strategy. I'm certain that they talked about it. And, uh, you know, that was that was just a real, real act of insubordination. And it kind of revealed, and, and I mean, I think Sari, once again, has been put in this place where it's really not at his doing. Um, I, I, I hope he, I hope he, uh, I hope he gets out of there. Because I don't think that they're going to do what they need. And, and it's a shame on Chelsea because uh, they hired this guy knowing full well what they were going to get, okay? That he was going to go in there with a certain style of play that required certain kinds of supports, okay? He wasn't, he's not, he's a very dogmatic manager. He doesn't believe that he likes to change his system. And, you know, and, and, that, and, and, and you know, Chelsea, if I think, you know, buyer beware. And I hope that uh, uh, Sarri w decides that uh, he's had enough. And at the end of the year, and actually leaves before he's fired. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. And quite frankly, I don't know where he would end up because this kind of style uh, demands that he has certain players in place. Uh, unless he went back to Napoli, but, but Napoli's actually changed their style, of course, again, you know. And I think that, you know, what he had built at Napoli really is a testament to this guy's football greatness. He's actually a smart guy when it comes to football, but. Like I said, very dogmatic. Yeah, um, I I don't think you're right. I don't think there's a place for him unless he can go and build a team, right? Yeah, and you're gonna need basically an owner with a lot of pockets. Like he can't go back now to like you know coaching at Genoa or uh, you know a Watford or something like that. No, he, he he should be at a club that has a plan and has the player has a certain degree of players in place already that, that he can do this right because like you know Jorginho's like is basically one of maybe three guys who can do what he does when you score today by the way right yeah yeah he finally uh, today i think was what game he performed in it's been a yeah. been a little while for for me to think that that he's been able to to reach those heights, I actually don't think he's performed as well as he could have this season. Uh, is it true that Kepa is the highest paid goalkeeper in the world? Uh, he was he was the uh, most expensive transfer fee. I mean, isn't that? I mean, 
Well, De Gea, we we didn't pay that much. Like, but this is just the how the game is, right? Inflated transfer fees in the last years, right? Yeah. So it's just the well, most. That's recent. remarkable. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, I, 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 wow. You know, I, I feel for the guy. I really, really feel for the guy. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about sorry because I, I really think that you know he, he's getting painted with, 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 with the brush from the English media, who seem to be really stupid on this one. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that about wraps it up. Um, remember to follow us, Facebook, Twitter, and everything. Uh, we'll post the podcast. Really would love to hear what your thoughts are on the Kepa and Sari uh, issue. So please uh, participate. Let us know what you think. Um, and again, yeah, Twitter, Facebook. You can follow us at, uh, at both those platforms. All right, Steve, take care. Yeah, you too, Julian. We'll talk soon. Looking forward to it.